0: Okay, a very warm welcome. Uh, My name is Richard Perkins. Um, My wife and I, Rosalyn, are part of the congregation in the evening. We come with digs. I've got two older kids who are off at the moment, sort of uh, one at university, one in Manchester. So um, we've been part of the congregation I guess for about 18 months or so. Uh, It's been great uh, to be a part of that. I work for Commission, uh, which is the church planting network of which CCM is a part. I have the role of trying to encourage individuals, churches, denominations, organizations to start new churches, and then support church planters through that, with training, with coaching, and with consultancy. So that's my kind of full-time role. Prior to that, for 15 years, I was at Christchurch Balaam, uh, um, uh, which was a very, very, very happy time, and we miss it enormously. Um, so that's, that's me. That's all you need to know, I think. Um, it's great that you're here. Uh, uh, okay, right. Look, what I'd like you to do, just do, because this is a fairly broad subject, and it's a metaphor that we've gone for. Um, Liz was right yesterday when she said I've stolen the title from this from Carl Lafferton's book. Uh, she's absolutely right. I was also intending to to steal the content of his book, but I've not got round to reading it. Uh, so, you know, we're all in for a treat if we choose to buy that. They're available at the back. Um, but what I like to, look, this whole concept of spiritual health is, it, it's a metaphor, isn't it? We kind of get it. Um, we kind of understand, okay, there's health, there's unhealth, there's being healthy, there's the, the stuff that plays into that. Health is better than unhealth, that kind of thing. It's just a metaphor. What I'd love for you to do now, just in your small groups, to get you guys going, if you do, introduce yourselves, if you don't know one another, don't spend long doing that. Answer these two questions. What do you think spiritual health looks like? So a spiritually healthy person. Just describe them as best you're able in your group. And then where might you go in the scriptures for a description or depiction of spiritual health? Those two things are interrelated, aren't they? You can do them in either order. But let me give you five minutes to kind of brainstorm that, get some stuff on paper, and then we'll feed back. Great stuff. Off you go. Okay. There are handouts coming around for those of you who've not got them, so put a mitt in the air if you'd like a handout. There's a couple of sheets coming on. Can I just say, um, I, I, ideally, groups between four and six. The, the bigger your group, the harder, the harder it is for some people to contribute, and obviously the less that some people will chat. So if you need to redistribute your groups, now would be a great time to do it, okay? So if you're happy and everyone can weigh in, that's fine, you're grown-ups. But I think it'll work better if you're somewhere between four and six. But anyway, right. No, 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 no need to chat. Okay, let's have some contributions from the floor. Uh, Okay, maturity, sorry, sorry, um, spiritual health. What does it look like? Let's have some contributions from the floor. M. Oh, I like that. So where would we go for that, do you know? Galatians chapter five. The fruit of the Spirit. Oh, hang on a second. How does that go? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Nine of them in total. If you've got those in abundance, you are fruitful. That's a kind of fruitful kind of thing, isn't it? So that's coming at it from a slightly different perspective. I like it. Thanks, Em. Other contributions. What does, what does it look like to be, uh, to, to be spiritually healthy? Battling sin. Go on, say a bit more about that. Um I guess if you're trying to grow in obedience, um you will want to get rid of sin. And sin is going to be present in your life, so therefore you need to fight it. Yes. So, so it's a kind of fighting metaphor, isn't it? Of sort of putting to death, killing off, that kind of thing. Brilliant. And where where might we go for that kind of concept? Anyone the battling with sin stuff. A, it's a bit in Galatians, isn't there? Perhaps Romans. but it, armor, yeah, armor of God. The armor of God. It's Ephesians 6. Let's put, let put that down. We can come back to that if we need to. Brilliant. It's really helpful. Okay. So I reckon that comes under a kind of... Okay, uh, we'll come back to that. Other contributions. What does it look like to be spiritually healthy? Battling sin, fruit of the spirit. Go for it. Yeah. Faith and repentance is the beginning of the Christian life, isn't it? How do we become a Christian? We repent of our of our rejection of God, we trust, we, we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance and faith, it's the beginning of the Christian life and it's the entirety of the Christian life. So we keep coming back, don't we? That You know that old image, if, if, if God is over there and this is me, sin is walking away from God and effectively giving him two fingers. Sin, that's sin, that's rebellion against him. Repentance is turning back towards him and trusting him and his promises. And that's the Christian life. Except the Christian life looks like that, doesn't it? Or at least mine does. I don't think I'm alone because I think the New Testament says that's normal. So we keep coming back to those patterns of repentance and faith. Really helpful, thank you. Good. Other things? I'll just say more. Sorry. Go on. Go on, Sam. No, sorry. Phil. Rejoicing. Ooh. Rejoicing, praising, worshiping. Slightly different perspective with worship, but yeah. Yeah, so joy, the presence of of delight. Very helpful. Good. Let's take one more contribution. Uh, Let's go from that group there. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I mean, particularly the, humili- the humility to be able to say, I don't get it. What's the deal? What's going on? And where that leads. That's really helpful. Okay. The purpose of this is primarily to show that you know, the, the concept of health, spiritual health, is just a metaphor. It's a way of understanding the Christian life, isn't it? Which we kind of get, but it's not the only way. Uh, not the primary necessarily, that the New Testament um, talks about where we are in our Christian life. So, for example, you might come at it from the perspective of, am I fruitful or not? In other words, am I showing that the Spirit is w- at work in my life? Ev- showing the kind of things we've spoken about. Love, joy. Ooh, joy, there we go, those two things tied together. Um, the other way you can come from it is essentially, what is, what is the, who models the Christian life for us? Yeah, there you go. Jesus. You know, so what does spiritual health look like? Jesus. Jesus models the Christian life for us. So the degree to which we are unchrist like is the degree to which we are lacking spiritual health. So he's over here, we're here. So if we're not, if we've not got faith in God, as Jesus did, if we're not fighting temptation as Jesus did, there is some degree of spiritual health in us, unhealth in us. So, there's that concept, isn't there? To what degree am I Christ like? That's a way of thinking about it. I mean, I guess the, the fighting sense is the kind of, it's the, I'd put that in the godly category. Am I being godly? Of course, Jesus perfectly manifests what it is to be godly. Um, he shows what the, the Christian life, what godliness looks like in a human body. But the idea is that we're trying to kind of see that. It's a broad category, we're just coming at it from one particular place this concept of health. Um, now, I imagine you guys from time to time, you go to a GP, you go to a hospital, because you want to find out how you are. Um, you know, that, but we'll come back to that in a moment. Right, uh, da, 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 da. Okay, what we, I'm gonna, we're going to do is we're going to spend a lot of time probably in the book of Hebrews, and the reason for that is where I'm having my quiet times. So it's what I'm currently ex- most excited by uh, at the moment. So I'm sure there are lots of other places to go, but for my reckoning, I think the book of Hebrews does what I think um, it needs to do, what, what we need in this category. So we'll spend some time there. So if you haven't found it, do. Um, Let me give you a a bit of a heads up on what I think we're hoping to do. We do want to think about what is spiritual health? uh, What are we talking about? um, And we're going to go, what what are we going to do? We're going to think about what it is, why we need it, um, and how we get it. So, those three things. So, what is it? uh, Why do we need it? How do we get it? Okay, that's the first thing that we're wanting to do. Um, Secondly, how are we going to do it? Just to point out, this is a seminar, it's not a sermon. Um, And the way you're arranged is meant to show that we're going to think and be thinking about this in a slightly different way. So hopefully the, the, the whole dynamic of a sermon will be inverted. So it's not one person at the front speaks a lot and your job is to listen and scribble down stuff that's helpful. It's completely inverted. So I th- hopefully I'm going to spend most of my time watching you lot interact with one another and God's word. Um, and then kind of bringing those things together. So th- get involved, throw your weight in. Interact with one another. There'll be Q&A uh, at the end. So that's, that's how we're hoping to do it. And then, OK, why are we doing it? Right, in your group. So what I'd like you to do now is um, think about, why, why did you choose this seminar? Why, why did you choose to do this one? Now, you might have said, well, there's a limited choice, and I'm married to the other guy, um, and so this you know, I've come here. But why, why, what's the motivation behind, about, behind choosing this seminar? What do you hope to get out of it? Um, how do you feel about going about it? Let me ask you these questions again. So what's your motivation for doing this seminar, honestly? Secondly, what do you hope to get out of it? Thirdly, how do you feel about doing it? Off you go. I'll take some, combat, some stuff from you, uh, and then we'll crack on. Okay, let me interrupt what you're doing. Uh, I I would reckon that our reasons for doing this are somewhat similar to the reasons that we might uh, have when we go to the doctor. Um, It's probably something like this, isn't it? Number one, um, we just want to find out what's going on. You know, there's there's something that's not quite right. We're aware of that. There's a kind of, hmm, what's going on? Where am I? It's that kind of taking stock, finding out what's going on. That would be one reason. The second reason would be probably just to stop uh, making matters worse. You know, you're aware it's something not quite right. Um, I found out what it is, but actually I, I want to I deal with that. I want to address it. Uh, in particular, I want to address the slide. I'm not fighting sin. There's an absence of joy in my life. Um, the fruit of the Spirit, I am the most impatient person on the planet. What, what's going on there? What do I do about that? Um, thirdly, to embrace the changed lifestyle. In other words, you just want to do things differently, don't you? You don't want to live a Christian life that looks like that for the rest of your life. You'd like it to be different because it's not ideal. It's not great. You you know it's not where you want it to be. And so this is an opportunity for you to say, okay, okay, um, let's find out. And let's find out what I need to do so that things might be different. So hopefully this might lead to some change in our lives so that we move up the Christ-likeness Um, sort of scale. We've become more godly, more serious about fighting temptation and those kinds of things. So why don't I pray to that end? Let me pray to that end. Father, you know where we are. You know what we're like. You know what we struggle with. you You know what's going on inside our hearts. And we pray that this might be an opportunity for us to take stock of where we are, to identify the things that aren't great, the contributory factors that lead to that, that in particular... We might be able to address it and, in, and put in plan uh, an opportunity for things to be different going forward so that we might reflect the Lord Jesus. We might look more like him in our Christian lives. Uh, for our good, for our health, but ultimately for his glory. In his name we pray. Amen. Okay. Now before we go any further... Um, One of the things I want to do is to make sure that we don't actually lose anyone along the way. I don't want anyone here who has their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ to feel disqualified. That somehow, you know, you'll go into the GP and the GP will say it's too late, you're already dead. No, you're alive, you have spiritual life operating within you, which is great. So what I want to do is just think very quickly. um, It's very interesting, In 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 the letter to the Hebrews, it's clear they're in danger, they're wandering, they're drifting. So much so that the writer has to say, you know, look, just address that issue of your unbelieving heart. Don't harden your heart anymore. Don't follow the pattern of disobedience that others have set before you. You are, you are in, somewhat in danger. But he starts in chapter 2 with these words. Let me read them to you. Um, he says, but we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death so that by the grace of God he might taste death death for everyone. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Now just in those very few verses, the writer concentrates on three benefits that are ours, Through our faith union with Christ. So, if we have faith in Christ, we're united to Him, and a result of that, three benefits immediately and irrevocably they cannot be undone become ours. Okay, first off, Jesus' death is our death, our penalty has been paid. Jesus was crowned with glory and honor. Why? Because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. So he has died our death. We deserve to die for our sin, but he has tasted death for us. He has faced our penalty. He has paid the price. He has suffered the punishment. He's done it, and his death is our death. So I take it that being spiritually unhealthy does not mean that we will face God's wrath we will have nothing to answer for when we see God face to face because Jesus' death is our death. That is, that's good to know, isn't it? It's good to know. It doesn't matter what state of spiritual unhealth we're in. It's good to know that that is true. Secondly, Jesus' glory is our glory. This is our future. When Jesus was raised from the dead, he was crowned with glory and honour, verse 9. And in verse 10, we're told, what does he do? He brings many sons and daughters to glory. So we will go where he has gone. Where is he now? He is at the right-hand side of his father. He is in glory, enjoying that. And we will go there as well. We get in, no question. So I take it that being spiritually unhealthy doesn't disqualify us from entry to heaven. That's really good to know, isn't it? It's really good to know that we don't have to be perfect to get in because... Jesus is already in, and he gets us in. His glory, his glory, will be our glory. Thirdly, Jesus' holiness is our holiness. Now, this is our standing. it's, It's what God thinks of us when he looks at us. So in verse 11, the author writes, both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So you, me, Jesus, we all belong to the same family. And what we share in common within that family is holiness. He is holy, and so are we. I guess the big question is, how do we get it? Well, not from being any good. Um, Not from ourselves, that's for sure. He gave it to us. It's his holiness. We have his holiness. It is credited to us. And so when God looks at us now, even in our state of spiritual unhealthiness, what does he see? What does he see? Christ. Christ. Is that not remarkable? So Jesus' holiness is our holiness. So I take it being spiritually unhealthy doesn't compromise our spiritual standing before God. That's just really good to know, isn't it? Jesus has done it all. Now, I think we need to remember those truths if we're going to subject ourselves to the kind of examination that we're going to go through, which is kind of, okay, where are we? Honestly, spiritually, the, the stuff. So it's it's helpful, isn't it, to distinguish, in one sense, between positional and progressive uh, sort of sanctification or holiness. Put it in that way. In other words, where are we? What are we like? The truth is, we're like Jesus. That's our positional. We our faith in Him. We're united to Him. We're the same as Him. His death is our death. Um, His glory is our glory. uh, so our future is his, uh, is the same as our holiness is his. That's our position, that's where we are. But you and I know that there's this kind of progressiveness, isn't there? Okay, there's the kind of, well, actually, how am I making progress in my Christian life? So I know from one perspective, God looks at me and he sees Jesus. But yeah, I, he's not an idiot. And he looks and he goes, yeah, but hmm. it's just great. That there gives us the security to have a look here where, where we are. And that's what we're going to do now. Okay, so I think we need to remember those. Um, in our Christian lives. So, um, you lot, a lot of you are tuning in a bit. Some of the older people, in the, if, I, if, I used, if I said the word weeble, do you remember what a weeble is? A weeble is a toy. It's about this big, heavily weighted in the bottom. The thing about weebles is they wobble, but they don't fall down. Uh, so the thing about a weeble is that it wobbles, but it doesn't fall down. I think what we need is those three truths in the, deep down in our convictions that give us weightiness. Because they're true. And it means when we wobble, we might wobble, but we won't fall down. God's got our back. So these three truths are the things you need to stick away deep down, believe, and know that they're true, which allows you to to move on. Okay, here we go. What I'd like you to do, Hebrews 5. Let me read it to you, and then I'll get you to do some work. Uh, The writer says this, We have much to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers... You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's words all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Now, what I'd like you to do is draw a diagram with the readers of this original letter in the middle, and what I'd like you to do is attach the words the author uses to describe them. So your, your map will look something like that. Person in the middle, and one of the things, they should be teachers by now. OK, so what I'd like you to do is look through that together in your groups. Um, if, if, you want to, if someone wants to turn over a sheet of paper, put it there, and then attach the words that the author uses to describe them. OK, I'll give you, um, I'll give you, I'll give you three, four minutes on this. Off you go. Just write the words. words. Yeah. Just like, just, just like that. Yeah. I did put. Did I print out the sheet? The passage on it. And, and hand out. Do you want to hand that? Did you get one of those? another minute. If you haven't done so, think of a word, one word, or a description that might uh, accurately nail them for how they're thought of. Okay. Uh, let's have a word. Uh, okay, give us a word, an image, a picture to d- to describe how the author thinks of them. Lazy. Lazy. Yep. Yeah. Any others? Immature. Yeah, immature. Let's go with that one because I think that's. I. 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 It's absolute. I mean, whew. how does he think of them? I think he thinks of them as spiritual toddlers. Okay. So what I'm going to give you now is uh, four marks of spiritual infancy uh, or immaturity. That that come through again. You can see we've slightly shifted away from the sort of the the healthiness metaphor. We're in the kind of immaturity thing, which is how I think the author does it. Okay, here are four descriptions of what they're like. First of all, um, they didn't try to understand. Verse eleven, didn't try to understand. So he writes, "It's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand." (laughs) Yowzers! Can you imagine the dynamic in church where that that gets read out? Yowzers! Now, it's not that what he was writing was hard to understand. It's not that they couldn't understand it. His criticism of them is that they couldn't be bothered to understand it. So their their inability to grasp theological truth had nothing to do with the difficulty of those theological concepts, had nothing to do with their intellectual limitations, they're perfectly capable of understanding it. It had everything to do with their unwillingness to engage with who God is and what God has done and where God is taking us. For whatever reason, they did not think it important enough to use their grey matter and apply themselves to it. That's pretty critical, isn't it? And I guess one or two of us might be feeling, actually probably most of us are feeling somewhat exposed at this point. Is there something like that in your Christian life? Do you zone out on a Sunday when Matt, Scott or Phil is preaching? Do Do you, Begin with good intentions and start to take notes on the, on, on the pamphlet. But in the end, by the end, what you've do- drawn is something intricate in black and white that is actually just a doodle. And you can't quite remember whether we were in Leviticus or Lamentations. Worth asking, isn't it? Secondly, they didn't retain God's word. So in verse 12, he writes, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. It's like, you're back in week one of Christianity Explored again. You're five years in, and we're back there. Now, evidently, his readers did not remember what they'd been told. It's as though God's word went in one ear and then out the other. They didn't retain the things that they'd been taught. And so it didn't have a chance to grow. Sorry, it didn't have a chance to remain and to help them to grow. So the, the author's view is they ought to be teachers by now, given how long they'd been Christians and what they'd been fed. Now, think about it for a moment. You may be familiar with the world of small children. You give a small baby some of the finest, tastiest, most nutritious food, but we're aware that if that food doesn't stay in, and for whatever reason it keeps coming up, they won't get the benefit of it and they won't grow. That's a real concern when you're a new mum or a new dad. Now, our spiritual diet at at Christchurch Mayfair Is first-rate. What we get served up in our small groups and on a Sunday uh, and on occasions like this is is exceptional. There's nothing wrong with a diet that we're getting but it is not going to benefit us if we don't retain it. We don't need to remember all of Scott's points or everything that Matt said or whatever but it's there's something about retaining it so that the spiritual food that we've been fed actually goes to work And grows us inside. Here's a question I guess that we ought to ask ourselves. How long have you been a Christian now? Do you think you ought to be a teacher of someone else by this point? Is the reason you're not teaching anyone else the things that you've learned and retained because you're you're stuck in this kind of repetitive, endlessly repetitive loop of just having to relearn the elementary truths time and time again? If so, the writer says that's a mark of spiritual maturity. Thirdly, they didn't progress to solid food. So in verse 13, he writes, anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted or or is unskilled with the teaching about righteousness. Now, at at every every point in our life, we went from milk to solids via baby rice. Big moment in in the life of a parent. because a growing child can't survive on milk, they need the solid food if they're going to grow and develop. Um, but the writer says, guys, you, you're still on milk. You're on formula. This is nuts. You should be on steaks by now. You know, what, what is going on? Um, they'd not learned to understand God's word. They were unskilled in it. I guess the question is, um, are we committed to being lifelong learners who never say to ourselves, I, you know, I've done Christianity Explored now. I can teach Christianity Explored. That's it. There's nothing more for me to learn. Are we lifelong learners determined to understand more and more of God's word? I guess the question for us might be, do you think you understand more of God's word now? Who he is, what he's done, and where he's taking us? Do you think you understand more now than you did a year ago? Do you think you understand more now than you did three years ago? If so, that's great. If we don't, we've plateaued. There's an opportunity for us to find out what's going on and then address it. Fourthly, finally on this, they didn't train themselves to be discerning. So he writes in verse 14 solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. I think his point here is that spiritual toddlers can't discern good from evil. It's just they haven't got an ethical moral compass. And what that does is it makes them vulnerable to deception. So you have to look after kids, don't you? If you're in any doubt, go out there at coffee time and look at the dads who've been handed the responsibility by their mother, by, by mum, and dad is panicking because he's lost said toddler of two-year-olds, and he's supposed to be in charge. The kids will wander. They'll go anywhere. They're deceived. Come up the stairs. Look down. It's fun. And, and they suddenly realize, oh, my life, they, you know, there's, there's nothing protecting them from a fall. Kids are foolish. They're vulnerable. They can be easily deceived. His point here is God's word makes us discerning. Now, what's striking about every one of those... Marks of spiritual immaturity is they are all to do with our attitude to God's word. So it turns out our health is related to our diet. Who'd have thought it? Now, so what I'd like you to do on this sheet is rate. You do not need to compare this with anyone else. This is you know under exam conditions. No one's allowed to look over your shoulder. Uh, if you were to rate yourselves on a scale from naught to ten, where naught is absolutely rubbish, and ten is totally brilliant there is no scope for improvement in my christian life i'd like you to rate yourselves on the four things we've just looked at the degree to which you understand god's word you retain god's word you're progressing in understanding god's word and you're and you're being discerning in applying god's word okay so think of those little mark don't spend long on it and then i'll introduce something else self-diagnosis We've got any spare handouts, please? They collected anywhere. Matt, thanks. Bro, cheers. No worries. Done them all. It's like multi choice. You don't need to think a whole load. Okay. All right. Well, now this is what I like you to do in your groups. If we recognise that our spiritual health is disproportionately shaped by our spiritual diet. What I want us to think about now is practically, how can we address that? Let's assume you know, it, there's room for improvement in, in our spiritual diet. In other words, how we meaningfully interact with God's word. So what are, this, is, this is something I've put together. You know the classic six questions, who, what, where, when, why, how? And I just thought, okay, let's think about that and get you guys to work on this. So what I'd like you to do is think about, here are some potential ideas and possible answers. So generate ideas within your group of how, think, who would be a good person to read the Bible with? Now, it could be someone reads with you. You think, actually, do you know what? I have stalled. Who is there who could raise me out of it? Lots of us will be in DG groups. Could it be that you have a word with your DG leader and say, I'm loving Lamentations. Um, Could we actually look at a bit more of that over the next term or whatever. Anyway, think about who would be a good person to read the Bible with. Think about um, what would be a good resource to help you with the Bible. Um, so, you know, my daughter's moved away. She's up in Manchester. She's not coming to church with us anymore. She's going to church up there, but she's on her own. You know, she's getting up. No one's asking her out of Bible studies and so on. So I'm thinking, okay, what resources can I put in her hands to make sure that the one thing she does is read a Bible? She, you know, she retains some spiritual health. So you know, I recommend some stuff from the Good Book Company, but there could be people in your group who think actually do this. It's brilliant. Uh, spiritual health check, sixteen chapters. That's, that's that's half a month's worth there if you do a quiet time every day. That, you could do that. Um, okay, so think about that one. Th- uh, thirdly, think where would be a good place to read the Bible. Now that's a bit practical, isn't it? But um, some of you are in a flat share, you just cannot get a moment to yourself. Um, or whatever. So bizarrely, when I was at Christchurch, Balaam, um, one of the things I, I deliberately used to get out of the house during the day, I used to go to the local Café Nero. Um, and back in those days, there was, some, they, there was a thing that Good Book Company produced which printed the Bible passage and the questions on it. i I go for a coffee. There's noise all the way around me. Bizarrely, I could concentrate because none of that noise was my responsibility. So that was, that was a good idea for me, and I had good quiet times then. Uh, what about this? When would be a good time to read the Bible? Just think, you know how you operate. When's a good time? Is it lunchtime? Is it the first thing in the morning? Is it in the evening? Just have, get it down. Okay? We, we're trying to address, we're trying to come up with a plan uh, to improve things going forward. Uh, how are you going to ensure that you read the Bible? You, you, know, you want to, it's there. You just struggle with implementation. So where's the kind of gentle, loving accountability that might be helpful? That kind of thing. And then finally because um, this is going to be the reason why you do it, isn't it? Why? Why do you? Now, you thought about that early on, didn't you? Why, why am I in this seminar? Why am I thinking about this subject? A couple of reasons. It's striking. In the book of Hebrews, the great temptation for them was to drift. So they, they thought they were there, but over time, they found... Hang on a second. I'm not where I used to be. I used to have faith in Christ... I used to be repentant. I used to try to obey him and listen to God's word. But actually, I found myself over here. So the writer is saying, it's a big klaxon sound, like Jam Carey's stuff from last night. Get back. Don't be the people who follow the example of those before you who hardened their hearts and, chapter 3 of Hebrews, did not enter God's rest. So he applies the lessons of the past and says, seriously, don't harden your heart, and God speaks to you, listen, respond, um, that, that's what you've got to do. So it, that kind of comes back to, you know, why do you need this? You need this, otherwise I need this, otherwise we're going to wander. And we might find that we weren't Christians in the first place. Um, okay, have a go at that. Uh, you've got a good 10 minutes on this. Off you go. Generate some ideas. OK, uh, I'm clear that uh, the formal or the, the finish is, uh, is at half past. So uh, I've been instructed to work towards that end. There will be opportunity. I'm told is if people want to stay behind and um, ask some questions or whatever, we can do that. Um, let me bring this into land uh, very quickly. Look, this is you in the middle. This is you in the middle. This is, you know, what's going on? Here is the Bible. It's God's word to us. It's where he reminds us who he is, what he's done, where he's taking us. It is what we need. It's the diet that we need in order to be healthy. If, we, if it comes into us, we end up with health and godliness and spiritual life, and that's a win. Okay? So it's not just that we, we'll all get in, regardless of our spiritual condition. We might actually get in and actually have lived a life that's been useful a lively life in which we'd have been a benefit to others. Here's the whole load of stuff that's good, that makes life difficult, because it's distracting. And it's more appetizing to us in the short term than the Bible. This is kind of this is what Rosslyn keeps locked away uh, for our 17-year-old lad to come in and eat when he comes home from school, that I find and eat and doesn't do me any good at all. We're talking about it's, it's the gray stuff with lots of sugar in it. Okay. It's the, it's the phone, it's TV, it's internet, it's mates, it's sport, it's novels. Um, it's all that stuff keeps us from the good stuff. Um, but the, the, the purpose of the book of Hebrews is to say, look, there is danger. There is danger. Um, you could end up without the, a diet of the, of the scriptures being withered and weak and wicked. And that puts you in danger because you may discover that you, were, you, you weren't a Christian in the first place. Okay. Now, that is to try and generate some ideas. Uh, there's more to say, but here you go. I, well, let's end with this. What is the one thing that you're going to do differently as a result of the last hour we've spent together? Just, that's you. Just scribble it down. What's the one thing that's going to be different? Leaving here, going back home, what is the one thing that you're going to do differently as a result of what we thought about in the last hour? Scribble that down. And once you've done that, why don't you pray about it, just where you are. Close your eyes and pray. Let me read these words to you from Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12. The writer says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let me pray. Father, please help us not to grow weary, tired, exhausted, and quit, to lose heart, to become discouraged and despondent, and want to give up. Help us instead to look to the Lord Jesus Christ as the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, the one who's run the race before us, the one who completes it for us, the one in whom our hope lies. Help us to look forward to that finish line and to know that he will greet us and we will celebrate with him. And that is the prize towards which we run. Help us to keep going, being wise, to, to lay aside the things that hinder us from running, and in particular, to throw off the sin that so easily entangles and trips us up. And Father, help us to run that race with perseverance, to keep on keeping on, looking to the Lord Jesus and drawing from him the spiritual strength and nourishment that we need to persist. We ask this in Jesus' name of his glory. Amen. Now, I'm told that is kind of sort of the formal end of our time. People are free to go. But if there are any comments, queries, and questions you want to um, stay put and throw some stuff around, we can do that. I'm not entirely sure what time the next session is. Is there someone with that? Parents. Parents are the ones who need to exit now to go and their kids. That's it. There you go. So if you're not a parent and you want to stay, fine. Any comments, queries, questions um, from the floor? 11.15 is when the next session starts in here. OK, look. So if you want, we can do 10 minutes. But beyond that, you know, we, we'll all need caffeinating, won't we? If there aren't, it's fine. Comments, queries, questions from the floor. The yeah. Let's say you've built a really good understanding through uh, maybe a link into Bible college in a really good church, you've got a really good level of like remembering uh, basically you're really good at the academic level of Christianity. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. That's a good question. So, if I've understood you correctly, I think you're asking the question: is is there is is ha- is there a bias towards an academic understanding of the scriptures that can deceive us that we're spiritually healthy? Yeah, yeah thank you. <laughs> uh, others are welcome to contribute. Um, have time to think. Um, I would say, uh, okay. Immediate response to that would be. Striking the emphasis in the New Testament on actually putting the word into practice. Um, and I would say some of the problem in my Christian life is not that I don't understand what God wants of me. My, my problem is I don't put it into practice. I'm disobedient. I don't trust him. So that when he says, do this, not that, I think, yes, you're right, I'll do that. So there's, that, there's, that, there's a disconnect between those two things. And it must mean I've not understood God's word as well as I thought that I had, if I still think that is what I ought to be doing or could be doing. So I think, I, I think you know, one of those things, about, it's the great thing about the scriptures is we never stop learning. And so even, even if I think I can you know, helpfully articulate what is going on in the grain offering, um, if it doesn't lead to me being someone who is instinctively responsive and sacrificial in terms of rejoicing and loving to give away, there's, there's kind of, I haven't understood the grain offering. So I've got, to, I've got to go back to that, I think. The other thing I would say is, I, you, you, you may be different to me. I'm amazed how much I, 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 I forget. I mean, I mean, you know, I did a course in, uh, in Hebrews when I was at theological college. I'm coming back to it going, hmm, what's going on there? What? Cleanses to the depth of the conscience? What? Well, h- hang on a second. And you're thinking, I did that years ago. Surely, no, I just, you know, I'm either forgetful stupid or I never understood it in the first place. So I think that, that's humbling, isn't it, and coming back to that? Those would be my two immediate observations. There was a hand there. Go on. Like yeah. Parents, you have to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go for it. Pharisees. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the observation there is the Pharisees understood the scriptures well. They could probably be brilliant Bible studies. So I'm just. So, yeah, yeah. So I, th- I think the observation is that the Pharisees understood the scriptures really well. Or rather, they didn't. So they, they knew them, but they didn't understand them. Yes. So that, there's that category distinction, I think, isn't there, between being familiar with the content but not getting what it's about? They're spiritually blind. Um and so, was, so your question was, what's going on? What's going on in them? Yeah. I, I, I mean, I think you'd say, wouldn't you, from the Scriptures, they're, they're, they're blind. They're, they've not had their eyes opened by the Spirit so that they can't see. So 1 Corinthians 2, um, the apostles are saying, you cannot understand and discern spiritual things without the work of the Spirit. And so part of the work of regeneration, that point at which we've become Christians, where God Himself puts spiritual life into us is our kind of our eyes are opened for the first time and we get to see who Jesus really is and why he really matters. You know, prior to that moment, he's like, yeah, whatever. You know, Jesus, yeah, okay, he's there. There's this thing called Christianity. But the eye-opening stuff, so I'd look at 1 Corinthians 2 or 2 Corinthians 4, where that work of spiritual recreation in our hearts enables us to see the glory of God in the face of Christ for the first time ever. That is a game changer. The the spiritual light has been switched on and we get to see stuff. And and presumably, for the the Pharisees, they knew the scriptures but didn't understand them. So they'd read the book of Isaiah and go, this this guy, this suffering servant sounds amazing. He'll take away the sin of the world. And then they meet Jesus um, and they can't do the maths. Why? Not because they're stupid, but because they're hard-hearted and because God had not switched, switched on spiritual life. And I think that's really helpful for us in, in, in our approach to our non-Christian friends who do our heads in because they just don't get it. And we find ourselves frustrated and despairing. And you think, actually, the, the battle is not won necessarily with more arguments. It's a spiritual battle, and we've got to pray. Because God is the one who will open blind eyes. So our, our spiritually hard-hearted friends whom we love dearly, and we'd love to, for them to know what we know, the question is not am I armed in every apologetic answer that there is but rather am i praying for them that god will switch on their open their eyes to see to see who jesus really is um, thank you for helpful observation ed back thinking about progressing. yeah So Ed's observation is 1 Corinthians 13. It's interesting, isn't it, that actually that, that's there talking to a spiritually gifted congregation. And one of the gifts that's identified there that the, the, the Corinthians prided themselves on with it, was this gift of prophecy. And we're thinking, oh, I don't, I don't know what that is. I, I think it's really speaking God's word, the ability to speak God's word. And he, he critiques them saying, look, you can put a lot of pride in the fact that you're brilliant at speaking God's word and being prophetic in terms of applying God's word. But if you haven't got love, it, it makes no odds. You're just a sounding gong. Um, and so Tim Chester's book, do you remember what it's called? Is it, is it, um, is it a Lent thing? I think, it a it's either a lent, I think it's either a Lent thing or a, whatever that run up to Christmas is called. Um, the way, so it's, Christmas it's the Christmas one. one. Are you just behind on your Bible reading, Ed? <laughs> should, we, should we gather around Ed and lay hands on him? and? <laughs> We're all behind. We're, we're all, the key to my Christian life was discovering there are things called undated, undated spiritual devotions. <laughs> <laughs> for some reason, Sunday was always a struggle. Um, yeah, so yeah. So, Love, came down at Love came down at Christmas. There you go. There you go. Thank you. Brilliant. Thank you for that. Yeah, yes, that is true. M. Um, how do we maintain spiritual health in churches where we're just not fed as yeah 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 great question great question Um, number one be slow to leave CCM number one be slow don't underestimate it you know you've got to have good reasons to leave CCM Um, it's not like there isn't work to be done if you can afford to live there and keep contributing, stay. OK, that'll be the first thing. Secondly, um, our diet comes from different directions, doesn't it? So we've got to take some personal responsibility for what, what we're consuming. So every time I reach in for the, the pancakes uh, or the waffles, you know, I've got to take some personal responsibility for that. There are app- it's not like there aren't apples available. So you know, you, what does your personal diet of Bible teaching look like? What works for you? It's not one-size-fits-all. Um, but but that's the. Thirdly, um, choose your ch- if you do leave, choose your church carefully. So I remember when I was uh, shortly after I became a Christian, I was told that the order in which we make decisions must be find a church, find a house, find a job, because that's what matters most. <laughs> I mean normally it's find a job, find a house to live in, find a church. And then you end up with conversations with people, oh, there are no good churches near us. <laughs> Why did you move there? You know, so I, for 15 years at Balaam, I'd have that conversation. Don't go there. Go here for this reason. Um, so don't underestimate, underestimate that. Um, there's a brilliant little book by Christopher Ash. Um, and I cannot remember what the life of it, what it's called. I think it might be something like speak up or listen or something. like. In a, in a, it's a tiny little pamphlet in which he teaches you how to listen to less good sermons. I gave it to everyone at Christchurch Ballam <laughs> To persuade them not to travel up from Ballam to the better stuff that was on offer up in town. Um, no, it's just really helpful stuff on how to listen to yeah a not great sermon. Even a bad sermon. He has a he has a page in there on how to listen to a, an untrue sermon. And it's just think, actually, for some people, that, that's what you might need. So there, there is there is that. And there's also there's a wealth of resources on there um, in terms of availability online. But be slow to leave CCM. If you do, choose wisely, but don't don't think don't think it's all down to the chef. You are perfectly capable of cooking for yourself. Um, and actually, you know, I'm loving Hebrews at the moment. Okay, I feel a bit humble that I can't remember this stuff, and I'm a bit slow to understand. I'm really enjoying it after a period of actually just some dryness and just nothingness. And Actually, it's really great. I'm looking at Jesus and what he's done and trying to understand him in that kind of the richness of an Old Testament background, realizing that you know, he's gone into the, the heavenly tabernacle Oh, hang on a second! What's going on there? What's a tabernacle? Oh, yeah. Oh, so he's so visualize it. It's just a. It's great. Um, but yeah. Okay. Thanks. Good. It's called Listen Up. Brilliant. It's called Listen Up. There we go. Sync So was it One Corinthians, thirteen? You sure of that? It's just that so far. Let me let me let me pray. Father, um, Father, help us to be. Thank you for spiritual life. Help us to be healthy uh, for our sake, but also for the benefit of others, that we might contribute to their well-being. And Father, thank you for all that we have in Christ. Um, We don't want to let him down, uh, so help us to do better and be better. For Jesus' glory, independence on the Spirit. Amen. 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 Thanks for your time.